listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our scripture reading today is from Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. And thank you for that reading, Martha. <clears throat> so if you've been worshiping with us uh, through this season of Lent, you already know that we are in the midst of a series, a teaching series called Sacred Rhythms, where each and every week we are exploring different uh, spiritual disciplines and practices that have shaped Christians for generations. And today we're going to talk about work and rest, a rhythm which, as we're about to see, has been with us since the beginning. Now, my hope with this series is that you'll all be able to experiment. I want you to try this at home, um, to try out new forms of prayer, fasting, other disciplines, to really use this season of Lent to do some self-examination, some some evaluation, to uh, look at our lives, our rituals, the things that shape and define us, and maybe find some ways to encounter God um, that are new and deeply tangible. We've covered a number of different practices in this series. We've talked about feasting and fasting, solitude and community, prayer and action. We've referred to all of these as rhythms. Now, I think rhythm is a word with a generally positive connotation. Like if you tell someone they have rhythm, that's usually seen as a compliment, right? Um, I'm a drummer, so I absolutely love rhythm. I think rhythm is a nice kind of non-invasive way to talk about some of these practices. But another word we could use that's, you know, basically means the same thing, is has the same sort of idea, is boundary. Sacred boundaries. Like rhythm, uh, boundary is a word that can have positive associations for us. We talk about having healthy boundaries, respecting other people's boundaries, stuff like that. But I think more often than not, the notion of boundaries, especially in our culture, has some pretty negative connotations. It gives us some bad vibes. Boundaries feel imposing, restrictive even. I mean, the root of the word boundary is bound, for crying out loud. Nobody likes to be bound. (laughs) But no one likes having boundaries imposed on them. It feels limiting. 
A key idea in our faith is the overcoming of boundaries, especially that boundary between us and them, right? There is no Greek or Jew, no slave and free, no male and female. Christianity, in a lot of ways, our faith was responding against the strict boundary keeping of ancient Judaism. We see that in our scripture reading for today. At the heart of our faith is the tearing of the temple curtain on Easter Sunday, erasing um, that, that boundary between God and humanity. But sometimes I think our distrust of boundaries goes a little too far. We can forget just how important, how freeing, how life-giving even boundaries can be. If you've ever struggled with addiction, or if you've been to rehab, this is something you have experienced firsthand. When you check into a rehab center, the first thing that happens usually is you find out all the boundaries, the rules, the regulations. Uh, this is when we eat. This is when we do lights out. This is when we wake up. This is, this is when visiting hours are, right? You have boundaries. You have rules. Those boundaries are essential to detoxing and breaking free of addiction, and all these practices we talk about, feasting, fasting, solitude, community, prayer, action, these are boundaries that can be just as life-giving, just as freeing when we put them into practice. And one of the oldest boundaries we find in Scripture is this division between work and rest. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis 1, verse 26, the creation of human beings. God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in God's image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. God created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth. Every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all their multitude, and on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and God rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from the work that he had done in creation. This is the first page of the Bible, an incredibly familiar story if you have any experience with the Bible and with church. And here at the crescendo of creation, the climax really of this opening 
scene of the Bible, after six days of forming the cosmos, God rests. Work six days, rest one day. That's the pattern, that's the rhythm, that's the boundary that is worked into the fabric of creation from the very beginning. When the Israelites go to Mount Sinai and uh, Moses goes up to the top of the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, the command we get about rest harkens back to this moment, this opening scene from the very beginning. Check this out. Exodus 20, verse 8. This is right smack in the middle of the Ten Commandments. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but, on the se- but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your town. Days, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. That's law though, right? Like we're not held to this as Christians. As Christians, we don't, we don't have to do Sabbath. We don't have to rest. We're about grace. I think I've said this before uh, in this church, but like as a pastor, it's generally expected that I'm gonna keep the 10 commandments. Like that's kind of like bare minimum expectations for a pastor. Um, if I committed adultery, I would be fired and rightfully so. Um, if I was stealing from the church, I'd lose my job. If I shot somebody on Fifth Avenue, I'd go to jail because that's what's supposed to happen. But if I break this commandment, the fourth commandment, if I took no time off, if I didn't have boundaries, ignored my family, never took a vacation, I'd probably get, like, promoted, right? Like, the church would probably grow, I'd get a lot more done, people would talk about how great it is that the pastor is always so available. This is the one commandment we actually reward people for breaking, And a lot of times when Christians talk about rest, we like to point to Jesus' teaching in Mark chapter 2, which was our reading for today, to argue that we don't have to do this anymore. We don't have to worry about a boundary between work and rest, but I think we're missing the point of what Jesus is saying. In our reading, it's the Sabbath day, which back in the day was Saturday, the day of rest, and Jesus' disciples pick some heads of grain from a field to eat because they're hungry. And right away, the religious leaders, looking to trap Jesus, accuse his disciples of working on the Sabbath, of violating the Sabbath. And Jesus has this to say. The Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. I think we love to seize on the second half of this verse. It's like, aha! We don't have to rest. We don't have to keep Sabbath. But we miss that part at the beginning when Jesus says that the Sabbath was made for us. This boundary between work and rest was established for our benefit. That's a message that is radically countercultural. 
Let's talk about the state of this boundary between work and rest in America today. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but there isn't much of one. And this has become, I think, especially true and especially worse in recent decades. According to data from the Economic Policy Institute, the productivity of American workers has risen 253% since 19. 48. That means that the average worker, the average employed person in our country is producing two and a half times more compared with 70 years ago. Now, some of that is due to automation, right? Of course, some of that is driven by technology. An office worker is going to get a lot more done with a computer and the internet than like a typewriter, of course. But these increases are seen even in industries that haven't been as shaped and as altered by automation. We're working harder. Half of this productivity increase has happened since 1980. The average work week for a full-time employee um, back in 1970 was 39 hours a week. Today it's 47. That's an extra day if you're keeping track. Over that same period of time, the percentage of Americans who work 50 or more hours per week has doubled since 1979. Or no, 1970, sorry. The average American now puts in about five and a half hours of work over the weekend. And of American employees who receive paid time off, which is not all of us, almost a third, 31%, don't use it. And by the way, all these numbers, all these statistics are worse among women, people of color, and the poor. We are working ourselves to death in this country. And the situation is especially bad for the poor. You know what? Let's talk about cell phones. I've got mine somewhere. Where is it? Right here. I've got my cell phone right here, never really leaves my side. Uh, That might be the experience for many of you. Let's talk about how cell phones have changed this balance between work and rest, made this distinction even fuzzier. We are always connected, always on call, potentially always working. And if this was a problem before the pandemic, the last 12 months of lockdown and working from home has made things like way worse, especially for women, families, and the poor. In our culture, we like to take pride in our productivity. We like to pat ourselves on the back for being being the best. We'll brag about how We work harder and take less time off than other modern democracies. But where has that gotten us? Rising stress levels, higher rates of depression and anxiety, especially among kids. Our families are in trouble. Our work-life balance is non-existent. The poor often have to work two or three jobs at minimum wage just to make ends meet. Meanwhile, our life expectancy is actually dropping. Wages are stagnant, and now the Simpsons lifestyle 
is becoming unattainable. Have you heard about this? This is kind of interesting. Back in December, The Atlantic published an article reflecting on how the lifestyle depicted in the TV show The Simpsons is now unattainable for most Americans. If you're not um, familiar with it, if you've been living uh, under a rock for the last 30 years, uh, the Simpsons are a cartoon family, right? Homer, Marge, Bart, Maggie, and Lisa. They've been on the air since 1989, longest running cartoon in history. And the Simpsons have three kids, a dog, and a cat. They live in a moderate-sized single-family home in the suburbs, and that lifestyle is supported by the income of one man with a high school education. That's like unheard of today, right? Like back in the 80s when The Simpsons premiered, they were blue collar, right? Like like they were far from upper class. Today though, The Simpsons are living the dream, right? They're the goal. In 30 years, this is where erasing the boundary between work and rest has gotten us. And when we talk about practices like fasting and prayer and solitude, all these obviously spiritual practices, we should make no mistake, establishing a firm boundary between work and rest is just as spiritual, and it is just important for the health and well-being of our souls. God made the Sabbath. God made rest for human beings. So how can human beings recover this practice? Like with prayer, fasting, and uh, anything else, I think we need habits, we need rituals to help us reestablish and protect this sacred boundary. So let's talk about that. And I want to focus on three areas, space, time, and attention. I want to think about how we divide our space, how we divide our time, and how we divide our attention, our energy, to maintain this boundary between work and rest. Let's start with space. If you're working from home right now with this pandemic, you have to establish a space for work and a space for not work. It doesn't have to be like an actual office. You don't have to have like an entire room dedicated to work. But if you work from home and you want to establish this boundary, you need a space where you work and a space where you don't. And the trick is to keep your work out of those non-work spaces. This can be actually a really helpful way to kind of check yourself and to kind of keep ourselves accountable for how much time we spend working. If every time we work, we force ourselves to get up and go to our workspace to do it. If you work from the, from the spare bedroom and you get an email at 8 o'clock in the evening, uh, before you check it, force yourself to get up, go to the spare bedroom, and check it there. Don't just check it on your phone. And if you can't establish a separate physical space for work, it's helpful to at least have like a work setup. Like when I work from home, I usually do it at the kitchen table with my laptop in front of me opened up. That's kind of my home workspace. And a good practice that I'm going to try, I don't do this enough, but I'm going to start doing it, is to only work when I'm at my kitchen table with my laptop open. That way, if it's late, late at night or it's family time and I'm tempted to you know, work on an email, bust out the iPad, get a little work done, I will have to ask myself, do I want to go all the way to the kitchen, get out my laptop, plug it in to do this? That's a check on ourselves. 
And that is a simple practice to help us divide our space, keeping non-work from work. So set some boundaries around your space. We also need to set some boundaries with our time, though. Establish a rhythm of work time and rest time. The Bible gives us a six-in-one rhythm, right? Sabbath, which I think is a pretty good principle to start with. For six days you work, on the seventh you rest. That's a great starting point. If you work nine to five, Monday to Friday, I'd recommend starting with that. Take one day on the weekend, either Saturday or Sunday, doesn't really matter which, and make sure you do no work on that day. But if you don't work nine to five, Monday to Friday, that might not be an option for you. If you're one of the millions of Americans who works weekends, or if you're someone working two or even three jobs just to make ends meet, you're probably not going to be able to take an entire day for rest, and that sucks. That is not your fault, by the way. I think a lot of times when we have these conversations about work and rest, the church can guilt-tripping poor people um, because we talk about Sabbath as this lofty goal that not everyone can attain, and that's on us. That is a social sin that we put people in a position where they can't take a day off from work. We all need to repent from that. But if you're in that position where you don't get a day off from work, then for your own health, for your own sanity, you need to do something on, on whatever level you can to establish some sort of boundary dividing your work time from your rest time. Maybe if you work in retail or at the grocery store, um, maybe you're an essential employee and you have a job where your schedule shifts week by week. When you get that schedule or schedules, if that's your situation, sit down with them, look them over, and carve out time where you won't be working. When are you going to be able to not work? It could start with maybe like an evening or two a week. Or maybe there's an afternoon or a morning that kind of rotates week by week. Whatever it is, find that time and keep it sacred. Do something in that window that is beneficial for your soul. Spend time with your family or your significant other. Call a friend and catch up. Read a book. Go outside. Do some exercise. Do something good for your body. Maybe try one of these prayer practices or another spiritual discipline we've been talking about. Whatever it is, find that sacred time for rest and protect it. Maintain that boundary. Talked about space, we talked about time. But where this all comes down, where the rubber really meets the road, I know for me, is our attention, our energy. How are we stewarding our energy? How do we divide our attention between work and rest throughout the week? Are we checking email on our phones when we should be spending time with our kids? Are we ignoring friends and loved ones because we've got work on our minds? Are we present in those non-work spaces or are we still working up here? This is my biggest struggle. I imagine this will probably be a struggle for me on some level for the rest of my life. But here's the good news with all these practices. 
the goal is not perfection. The goal is not to get it right, to nail it. There is grace with these practices. That's why they're called practices. We are practicing these boundaries, these rhythms. We will never master it, but we can take steps forward. If you go to the online worship page on our website, you can download the order of worship for this service. And at the very bottom of the page, you're going to find a section called Going Deeper, where we have um, a rest outlined here to hopefully help you enter into a state of rest and refocus your attention away from work. It's a short practice, only takes about five minutes, but it's something you can use whenever you need to unplug, uh, break free of work, and steward your attention elsewhere. Let's pray. God, help us to rest. Help us to be better stewards of our time and our energy. To establish sacred boundaries between work and rest in our time, space, and attention. God, make us unproductive at least one day a week. Empower us to wind down when we need to wind down and to find our rest in you. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist on Twitter, at Brockport FB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.